We're the Mario Brothers in plumbing's a game. We're not like the others who get all the fame. When your sick is in trouble, you could call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Hello and welcome to the next episode 303. I am your host, Chaos. And with me, as always. You weren't going to give your name? Whatever. Uh, no. Finest angler in the special sports section, David Fernie. And as organized as a fantasy world calendar, which means no. Uh, your manager, Pat Michael Baker. Catch him on guitar. Eight days a week. Wait, what are you Actually, doing? Actually, one of the calendars is eight days a week. Um, How about you DMCAS? God damn it. Listen, I only said one line. It's fine. We'll be fine. One line with the tune. It's fine. That was like three notes. You had to choose that band. Listen, it's like three notes. We'll be fine. If you really want me to, I will sing the entire song and really get us. No, that's not. Someone's a coward. I mean, not really. I've played like full songs on stream because fuck it. Someone's a criminal. So, copyright know. criminal, a smooth criminal. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> a smooth operator. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, the fishing spot I was looking for. Hell yeah. I should not feel excited by that. I should feel disdain. And yet, here we are. Gaijin, what have you been playing so I don't keep talking about this fucking fishing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've just been running around and doing everything in Atelier Rise of 3 except the main quest line at times. Nice. Um, it's just It's a really fun game to run around. And um, for a game that has no problems pointing you exactly the right direction that you need to go in, it's very easy to get yourself lost in it in the good way. Nice. That can be fun. I like being lost sometimes in games. Yeah. As in just like, okay, let's just go look at finds and some stuff. And, oh, there's an, there's an instant, a new monster instance to take out. Okay, yay. What was I supposed to be doing? Oh, yeah, that thing. Okay. Haha, <laughs> noble carp. Sorry. Of, uh, it sounds like you're enjoying Ryzen, though. Yes. A noble carp, a magic carp, or a holy carp? Uh, you're fired. Um... <laughs> No, uh, back when I was making up lots of fake Pokemon for students, I had a water ghost type called Holy Carp. Alternate evolution for Magikarp. The more tragic yeah. one. Yep. Uh, Fireminer asks, is there... like a viral evolution. Fireminer yeah. is asking, is there any frame rate drop on streaming from the Steam Deck? And the answer is sometimes, maybe? Probably. I, I have it has like... I haven't the done much screen testing. has a variable refresh rate, so that would help mask frame rate drops. Uh, it seems to be playing a little better than it was on when I was playing directly on the Steam Deck before, but I also have only done this area 
through uh, through the HDMI connection. So I I don't know. I don't know. More science required. Achieve the rank of Master Fisher. I can make a very inappropriate joke at this point, but I won't. And you won't. Okay. Yeah, will not. Be the master fisher than the masturbator. Yes. So yeah. God tell damn you. Damn it. <laughs> tell you, Rise of Three sounds awesome. I look forward to, to playing it in about ten years. Yep. When I that seems Dig myself out of my atelier backlog. That seems optimistic. Considering the amount of uh, sorry, we're here grousing that Nix and I had on our. Mutual review of Ryza 2. We're kind of wondering if somebody at Gust wasn't just reading the thing and making a checklist of everything that they should be fixing for Ryza 3, because they manage most of it. That's good. Oh, yeah. Including pretty much any of the pacing issues, partly just by changing the entire pace of the game completely. It's, <laughs> this does not play like any other Atelier I've ever had. In many ways. Interesting. It's still definitely an Atelier game, but it is very much its own thing. Nice. Okay, let's go catch the last fish. The last fish. But yeah. Sounds good. Yep. I'm at best halfway through the game, maybe. Dang. Yeah. Hopefully, I did not actually have to explore the entire open um, the entire map on the first part of the game. Mm -hmm. It's like I think I mentioned that includes the entire map of the original game. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, you I'm mentioning... going to because I'm. I want to see if some of the things are or some of the materials are where I remember them to be. I really need some of these things. Mm -hmm. I just didn't bother to go all that way up the side of a mountain, obviously. Mm -hmm. Fireminer asked if someone just said noble cock. I don't think mm -hmm. so. I don't think. I don't think I said anything that would even resemble that. Oh. Who's to say in this crazy world? Chaos. You're chaos. Thank you. Appreciate that. Why are you why are you into that? I don't know. I mean it is what one AM and his tired brain can think only in memes. I mean that's That's true of all times. That's true. Aha, I caught the last fish. Hey. I'm free. I'm not actually free. Eventually, I have to make all the rest of these. I might be broken inside. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing a Legend Heroes game. Trying oh, to finish it finally. Oh, Those... you finally finished? No. No, no, no. I'm in oh. the final dungeon of Trails in the Sky. So you've got three more hours. That's <laughs> roughly. I'm, uh, just, I'm at a boss fight with... Is it P 
pink haired commander man. lady. No. Oh, oh, that that lady. Yes. Uh, my PSP is actually suspended right now in that fight with she's down, and I'm just finishing off the machines she summons. So I don't know Fair. how much longer I have, but progress. Uh, I have also been playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and I've. Think I maybe finished all of the character side stories, and I am now a fish version. Of okay, yeah, you finished the character side stories. Okay, good. Um, fish. Yes. I'm yeah, a, it's it's a it's a big it's a whole thing. There's a big this big thing that happens about a third of the way through the game, and then okay, then I am going to have to play it again eventually. Yes, it's very good, and the Switch version is a wonderful port. Yes, um, we'll definitely have to finish it sometime. So I have mixed feelings about these side, these character side stories. I feel like they should have been separated out from the main game. Yes, I feel like I don't know. Like I like how it's got this big event in the middle of the game, and it reminds me a bit of Final Fantasy VI. And obviously, that does a similar thing where oh, you know. You got to get the band back together. So, um, you know, I kind of like that. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like the pace was disrupted too much. It's a long time to put the main story on pause, which is why I would say I feel like they should have been like bonus scenarios you unlocked at that point. Yeah. Uh, the thing I would say is that, uh, they're, they really feel like they're more valuable to people who have played through the game once already, which is a bit of a shame since most of the people who bought the Switch version, I would imagine, had not played the game before. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they're about, it ends up meaning that you kind of put the plot of the game on pause for like four or five hours. And that's, uh, that's a bit much to ask of a lot of Yeah. Some of them were better than others. Mostly the better ones are also kind of the longer ones, but they're all like the bunching them all up together is also kind of a problem. Yeah. But yeah. Like I said, in my ideal world, they would be, uh, they would just be things that were available in the main menu as bonus scenarios yeah. once you had cleared that section. Yeah. yeah and I Maybe mean, not I, I, I can't like point at any one of them and say, "Well, that I didn't like that one." I'd rather, oh god, did my controller just die? Uh, I, yeah, I can't point to any one of them and just be like, you know, I, I could have done without that one. You know, it's the DQ seven thing. Yeah. Like, there's there's no part of it that's bad. It's just like sometimes, for the sake of brevity, you cut things. Yeah, <laughs> needed more editorial time. Like uh, learn, learn the lesson of the production of credit trigger and know when to cut um, cut levels out. Mm-hmm. Rip singing mountain. Yep. Well, Fireminer brings up something that makes me that I I wanted to ask Wheels about since he might know this. Can you force the FF Pixel remasters into a four by three aspect ratio? Uh, is, that a, is that a thing you're able to do? I don't think so. <laughs> God damn it. 
There's so much fucking wasted screen real estate on the battle screens and in just the general like town layouts, and it bothers me so yeah, much. I would I, much rather they were just black bars. I understand, but you also know should understand that that's not something I would ever look for. Yeah, I'm just saying. I figured you might have looked through the options and found it. No. Because every time I try to look up things about the aspect ratio, it's absolute fucking loons being like, it supports ultra-wide 21 by 9 all, uh, fucking, it's like, none of these assets at any point were ever meant to be seen in that kind of screen real estate. It doesn't make any sense. I hate you. It runs at 60 <laughs> sorry. frames per second, though. It was always 60 frames per I second. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not, sorry. I know, I know. Uh... But yeah, just to hit Firemine's question. Speaking of FF6, why is it the font always seem uh, is always a source of an eyesore for so many remasters? Because it's not something people spend a lot of time on. And the kinds of people who get distracted by the font are extremely loud, but it's an extremely small group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even if I don't like a font, I usually forget about it in about five minutes, unless it's like some really, really like it, unless it makes the game hard to read. Yeah, when I fired up the Pixel Remasters, I forgot that people even complained about the font, to be honest. And they did change the font in response to that, which is part of why I was getting like getting my dudgeon up earlier, because I was like, people had enough time and energy to complain that the font was bad enough that Square changed it, but they did not have enough time and energy to let me play the game in their original goddamn aspect ratio. Sorry, sorry. I'm done, I promise. Um, Oh, fuck. God damn it. So, yeah. uh, PS5 controllers and their stupid, shitty battery life. Yeah, Sony, Uh, I don't think, has ever had a controller with good battery life. No. Nope. I don't remember how long DualShock 3's lasted. I didn't play a lot of PS3 games when I could help it, so it never really came up. The DualShock 4's battery life is atrocious. I honestly, I rarely ever played my PlayStation 3 without the controller plugged in. Just had mm-hmm. a nice beanbag chair and just there. Yeah. I need, so the only reason I'm using this is I had, for whatever reason, I couldn't get my Xbox controller to connect via Bluetooth with the Steam Deck. And now I'm going to have to figure out how to do that. like it runs fine on Steam Deck. I'm going to have to pick up that version. Yeah, just if you do, I can send you the link for what you have to do. Yeah. Or or you'll see by then, maybe they'll just have, maybe it'll just be uh, Steam Deck verified by then. I don't know. Yeah, Square's been pretty keen on getting their games Steam Deck verified where they can, so I would expect that they'll try. I mean, they got FF7 Remake verified at some point, so. Yeah, the only issue with this one is it's not it's a uh, Koei Tecmo joint also. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, try to get it verified just because they've been doing that with a lot of the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Yes, I have discovered WizBiz in this game. Of course you have. Fireminer uh, saying that he thinks it took until 2000 or 2001 for some Japanese 
TV dramas to be filmed in 16 by 9 and cut to 4 by 3 for TV broadcast. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the case, just because Japan was doing experimental uh, HD broadcasts way before most of the world. Like, you could, there were uh, high muse broadcasts in, like, the 90s as an experiment, but, like, try finding any human being that had a 1035 interlaced television to watch them. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, certainly none of the first 10 Final Fantasy games were, were built for widescreen. Mm -hmm. And they tend to look like, like everything about their visual pre presentation tends to feel a little fucked up when they're in widescreen, and it bothers mm -hmm. me to no end. You can just kind of it's see just, it. There's just so much like whenever I look at the battle screens in the pixel remasters, it's just like there's so much space here that does not need to be here. It's distracting from the core, like mm -hmm. the the core part of the the like visual field. I, I hate it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my personal damage. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't. You were so. So you've been playing Trails in the Sky. You've been evidently playing some uh, Stranger of Paradise. Anything else to play about? Um. Uh, Dot hack. Um, nice. Tried to do a story quest and didn't level some of this. They required characters you bring with you, which was uh, Gas Gaspard and uh, oh god, what's the other guy? Celibus. Yeah. Uh, so those two guys. crushed there. Uh, but it was funny. I so I like logged on to see results for the card game for the first time in part three and. The, my record was like 43 wins and zero losses or something like that. Oh, yeah. So apparently I have discovered a broken deck, which is great. They definitely designed in some broken decks to make that side quest simpler. That's nice. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's more dot hack. It's fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how the story wraps up. It's already taken. It's already taken an interesting turn, and I'm only a few hours in. So, hmm. character I did not expect to see back in a prominent story role so quickly. Genuinely curious who you're referencing. Uh, the leader of a guild who was a primary primary antagonist in part two. Um. Yeah. What a piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> Real piece of work. Real piece of work. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I fucking love part three of GU. Great payoffs there. Um, let's see. As for me... Uh, I've been doing a replay of the RE4 remake because it's really good. And I have been, uh, as evidenced, uh, just hammering at Trails from Zero. Uh, I think I've got like one chapter left. So, 
making good progress. Uh, it's uh, it's really good. I, I, a lot of it is sort of place setting thus far. Like there's definitely like been forward momentum in the plot, but it is very much like Trails in the Sky first chapter. Like there's stuff happening that's happening now, but there's a lot of stuff that's like this will pay off later. And there's some stuff where it's like, oh, I obviously have an inkling of who who this is and why they're significant in a way that the characters have absolutely no context for. Uh, sometimes for characters who literally appeared in the previous game, and sometimes for characters who, based on statements made about them uh, and their existence in a prior game, it's like, oh, I figure out, I know who you are, and it's obvious who you are because I played the previous game. If I didn't, you'd just be a dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. Bruh. But yeah. I just I just captured the last fish while we were recording, so I'm done with the fishing game for now. It's not a super hard or complicated minigame. Uh, I just sort of pulled up a guide and found where all the fish can be found, because like testing every bait in every pond is not my idea of a good time. But uh, you get good rewards for doing it, so I mean, what you gonna do? Um, I like the I like the new party. They're fun. Uh, I've been enjoying all of the stupid uh, quest, uh, the stupid chest uh, dialogue. I'll be sad when that has to go away for the most part. Mm -hmm. There's one that I saw earlier. I probably took a screenshot of it. Let me see if I can find. Um, find it because there were some that I saw recently that were pretty funny. Okay. Um, you need the more chest messages DLC to view this message? <laughs> My parents warned me that bad chests go to Gehenna where they can never speak. Oh, that's positive. <laughs> The ventilation here is your biggest fan, and you just go and shut it down. There's a that was in a dungeon where there's a bunch of puddles that require you to turn off giant fans. Oh, and here is one that I saw fan. that. Oh my god! I like what's that? I said that took me took a second for me to realize what the joke was there. Gotcha. I appreciate that. And here's one that's going to age horribly, but is funny now to me as someone who has watched a lot of YouTube videos within the past three years. Mm. Uh, one of them, you open it up and it just says, but first, a word from our sponsors, Orbal VPN. Orbal being the <laughs> thing, the, the MacGuffin technology that powers everything in the game. I remember that, yeah. That's great. I don't care if that's going to be dated, that's great. It's it's funny now, and that's enough. Yeah. But yeah, so having a great time with that. Um, apparently, I've seen implications that the physical releases are already becoming kind of a pain to get a hold of. Uh, so, yeah, glad if I you're already, into that, glad I already have. Glad I already yeah. have multiple copies. 
Yeah, same. Also, I can see your Discord on your stream. You can? Uh, oh. While you were, like, messing with it. Oh, I know why, hold on. <laughs> Goodbye. And hello. There we go. You guys actually use VPNs? I do because I watch a lot of things on Billy Billy. No, not really. On what? Billy Billy is the Chinese video streaming site oh. of choice. Okay. I think it does a lot of other things, but uh, the thing I know it for is video streaming. But yeah, so playing a lot of Trails from Zero. At the pace that I'm currently setting, I suspect that I will be knee-deep in Trails to Azure by the time we next record. Oh, that is a ton, Barry. <laughs> Let's fight it. Why? I always love the the more serious the games get, the more pleased I am at the commitment to just leave Tonberries and Cactuars looking completely ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, they should. I was I think one of the things I will never forgive FF twelve for is that the 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 thing there are cactoids which don't look like cactuars, but it's okay because they're not called cactuars. There are things called cactuars in FF twelve, and they're the most hideous creatures humankind has ever devised. I dislike them intensely. Uh, so, uh, zero marks. The FF eleven cactuars are also some of the worst uh, bastardizations. Uh, sins sucks. against God. Sorry, uh, no, they have no extremely they have extremely beefy legs in FF eleven. It's really off putting. I really don't like that game. It's okay. It's basically dead. You never have to think about it again. Well, as that's the fate it deserves. Waiting hate mail. Yeah. Oh yeah, FF14's cactuars suck too. You can send your FF11 hate mail to my Twitter account. That I no longer use. <laughs> I get it. Send yeah, it to Twitter correct... and it's fucking stupid doji icon vomit. That sucks, that sucks so much. Uh, but yeah, FF the FF fourteen cactuars suck as well. Uh, the 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 cactuars should be uh, it should be impossible to tell how a cactuar moves. They they should look too rigid to be able to move, especially at the speed that they do. When you do see them, they should be sort of rocking back and forth to move, as though, like, forced to life by a horrible spell. Uh, and uh, FF11 and 14 both fail this terribly. Um, uh, Final Fantasy Type-0 sucks extremely, but it does have a cactuar and a cape, so I'll give it points for that. That's something. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a very big Cactuar fan. Number one Sabotenda fan. I have some Square Enix made a stabbing horror game starring Tom Berry. I feel like that feels like something that should drop on an April Fool's Day one of these years, and it's yes. basically just a Tom Berry game, but with like an indie horror bent. <laughs> I'd play it. 
need some more Final Fantasy plushes other than my uh, Chocobo various uh, Chocobo Mystery Dungeon ones. I got all three mages. Yeah, I really need to see if I can get a Cactuar plush. It feels like the opposite of what a Cactuar is, but I want it anyway. Yeah, me too. But yeah, how how much that I can forgive uh, FF16 despite my misgivings will be determined by what its cat cards look like. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what if it because... what if it murders one with uh, Game of Thrones style? How would you feel about that? I mean, I'm not concerned. Like you kill cat cards, that's just what you do. I'm not concerned with like it's okay to kill a cat car, although it shouldn't be. That's not. That's that's not acceptable, but uh, it's okay to kill a cat core so long as like it looks like a cat core. It's important to me. Um, this game rules, by the way. Yeah, have you run into cat cores in this? It's great. Yeah, yeah, I killed because one. Because they they great. fit all of my criteria. And you could steal the they... thousand needles. It was perfect. Yeah. They they just it's impossible to tell how they move. It looks ridiculous when your big BD men are all getting hit by fucking thousand needles. It's horrible. <laughs> you die horribly. Fantastic. I love this. Um, we are an interesting collection of grognards, aren't we? Listen, I'm just broken inside. Um, hey, you're nearly at the end of where that first demo was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go back and try and kill that bastard again if he's still there now. Yeah, this this was really neat. Uh, personally, this was my favorite of Koei Tecmo's like, sort of Souls-esque games. I thought it was the, it had the most interesting mechanics in part because it was making use of all the Final Fantasy like job system stuff. And uh, it actually had a plot that I was interested in, so <laughs> looking forward to maybe playing it on deck. Uh, currently yeah. scheduled to arrive on Tuesday. We'll see if that holds. <laughs> oh god, I'm silenced. What the fuck? <laughs> what a there's a good, uh, there's a really good Tonberry fight in uh F seven remake as well. But all the all of the I just remember one of my favorite moments in Final Fantasy thirteen came courtesy of a Tom Barry. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one um one of the many, many side quests in what was it chapter eleven or so, the big open area. Yeah, Grand Pulse, and, chapter eleven. Grand Pulse. And so one of these is like Zenobia, Queen of Darkness or something like that. And Mm -hmm. So whenever you get to the spot where she's where this monster is supposed to appear, it makes this grand entrance, and then out of the corner of your eye, you see this little shadow, and it just waddles straight up to her and ags her with a knife, and she dies. Going, <laughs> and then you have to kill that. <laughs> the actual fight is the Tom Barry. <laughs> of course. Oh. oh man, I forgot to bring up something about this game. Yeah, it's early on. Randomly, there's a Frank Sinatra song playing. <laughs> The record shows <laughs> I took the blows and got DMC. It was weird and perfect. Kind of loved it's it. It's extremely funny. It's uh so the the actual 
it, it does actually play My Way by Frank Sinatra, a song they were proud enough of licensing that it showed up in the trailers. But yeah, no, they they licensed the Sinatra master recording, so good, good on them. But yeah, uh, that's that's the thing that uh, I appreciate. The the thing that I want, as I've, I've mentioned many times, out of Final Fantasy is it can be a lot of different things, but I want it to seem like it was made by someone who's at least a little bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, licensing my way as the uh, licensing a single song and it's my way by Frank Sinatra is incredibly nuts. Yes, chaos. We're actually just about to get to one of the funniest, like, def- I, I definitely think an intentionally funny scene, like an absolutely like incredibly funny scene that showed up uh, in the original demo. Just that when you beat this boss, you get an ex- a character explaining to you uh, that they're not convinced that chaos is per se real, but that it's like a thing that people blame broader problems on. Uh, and Jack responds by just saying, bullshit, <laughs> and then putting his headphones in and listening to some fucking 2000s new metal style song. And then it like cuts to you getting back to Canaria. And uh, it's evident that he has been listening to it the entire time. (laughs) It's perfect, perfect comedy of Jack just being an angry asshole who has not actually thought this through and refuses to when given the opportunity. This fight's incredibly hard, but it's a really good fight. I'd like them to make a sequel to this that takes place as like some kind of in some kind of relation to Final Fantasy II, because why the fuck not? <laughs> they kind of don't need to per se, because this game you're gonna like when you get further into it, it's like this game loves all Final Fantasy and has dungeons that are refer- referencing all. Oh, that's great. So, is this available on any console that I actually own? Sadly, no. PS4, Xbox, uh, and PC. Okay. Oh, I'm not sure. I could see it. I could see it maybe getting ported to a like Switch 2 if that comes out soon enough. But... Yeah, I'm not sure how well it would run on your PC. Yeah. It, I mean, it most surely will not run on my PC. Yeah. It's ever a question of will this run on Michael's laptop, it is. answer is going to be no. <laughs> Just bet on no. And be pleasantly surprised if the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Uh... This this is one of those games that I I think uh, I think kind of kind of ended up underappreciated in part because it came out like right after Elden Ring, yeah. So it was it was hard to get attention in the genre during that sort of black hole. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think the, why I didn't play it back. I think because it came out around Pokemon, it was just like, well, I just don't have time for this as much as I want to play it. Yeah, it got caught up in a few things. Yeah, and then and then it became, oh, I have a Steam Deck now, so I'm going to wait for this to come out on Steam. You could have probably played it via the Heroic Launcher. 
Yeah, that always worries me how well it would run through that, though. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, this is also a game with a number of uh, difficulty modes, which is rare for this genre. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I, put, I picked the middle one, if you're wondering. I did not pick hard. Thank God. Fireminer asks, how the fuck did Amazon screw up Amazon Luna so bad? At least people remember the state exists only to laugh at it. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think that really is just like they never really promoted it in any fashion. I gotta tell you, that billion dollar company over there, not that great. <laughs> oh, did we hear, did, it, did we want to mark the leaving of Phil Harrison from Google? Oh, did that happen finally? He yeah, he seems curse to someone else now. Company. Yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to what uh, what what C-suite he ends up at next because it's going to be one of those things where it's like if they're healthy, they're about to become much less financially healthy, and if they are uh, if they're not doing so well, then they're on the, they're about to collapse. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there was, for whatever reason, just absolutely no appetite to actually, uh, to actually advertise Amazon. But I think part of that is that I think at one point their, their thought process was that they were going to push Luna based off of like their, <laughs> uh, one of their many internal game projects they keep. Uh, allegedly, the, the story I keep hearing uh, is the they they keep spending like ungodly sums on these big internal game projects and then killing them like two and a half years into development, which sounds like you know you would think you would see something, but I mean, big expensive games take like five years to develop, so like there's usually not much to show of them. <laughs> so okay, you just end so up with. Going to say what? Who is thinking of or not thinking? It's just one of those things. Like you get a big ass company that doesn't really understand like the expensive games market, and anytime you look at one of those companies, they like you see this with a lot of the big media companies. Like Disney does this all the time too. They'll for a year or so they'll commit <laughs> big to like we're going to spend a lot of money on games to do X, Y, and Z. And then, oh my god, like, like, I'm sorry, distracted <laughs> by this cutscene or this character. It's just like, I don't want someone with us whose heart's not in it. And then a second later, they're doing a fist bump. <laughs> it's, it's very <laughs> With good. Very little convincing. <laughs> Listen, you could feel their heart. Uh... Also, are those dark? Are they the warriors of dark or something like that? I don't know. Keep calling. I think so. <laughs> There's a really funny bit that happens partway through this game when they start restoring the elements. And one of the, like, they, they get people upset because it's like, fuck, fire is really hot now. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh,. But yeah, like, as we were saying about Amazon, 
you, you run into this situation with a lot of these big companies where they like they commit really hard to games for a couple of years, long enough for them to spend a shit ton of money and not have any, uh, and have like multiple years on the balance sheet where it's just going to be taking up money for, uh, and they have to explain to investors we think we'll get a big return on this when it comes out, and like, you know that's long enough that eventually like you know whoever cared about this uh, trying to get into this industry shuffles around in the company, leaves the company. They end up in a place where they can't protect the, the the video game end of things, and they just end up immediately shutting down and either like getting out of games, as Disney does once every five years, or uh, or getting big into like, well, we're going to refocus this on what we think is, you know, what is currently very popular, and thus obviously will be popular by the time a AAA dev cycle finishes. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that, that doesn't work. That's not going to happen. Uh, so you get this. Amazon's been seemingly in this internal cycle of, we're very excited for this uh, for this project. This will be our, our big, you know, eventually they're going to try to sort of launch Luna off of whatever big AAA game they're working on, and then they just kill it because it takes it takes too long, and they don't care care enough about any individual game project. Project they just want to be big into games the cool kids are doing it all the cool kids do it yeah um, okay looking at the podcast section of the discord um, things that we did not please remember to answer the question about pachinko I posted last time yeah I'm, I'm looking at it pachinko questions because I don't know where to ask them but I know pachinko players tend to be on the older side. Uh, is it why there are so many pachinkos based on 10, 20, or even 30-year-old game, anime, tokusatsu, etc. franchises to use uh, nostalgia as a selling point? I would imagine that's the case. It's the same thing you see with slot machines in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, like, the the other thing is that these these machines have very little to draw people to them individually other than a familiar license. But re, uh, rebadging a machine with a familiar license is not a heavy cost. So it's one of those things where it's like, pay for the license, see if it makes the machine do more, uh, you know, do more numbers. Uh, that's that's kind of it. <laughs> so, and you'll get the the really uh, elaborate ones like the Metal Gear Pachi slot machine, where they redid uh, large portions of Metal Gear Solid 3's story scenes in like extremely, uh, for the time, high quality like Fox Engine uh, cutscenes. Uh, but you know. Fundamentally, the actual outlay on making a new pachinko machine is we we just needed to design some artwork and or a or a pachi slot machine. You know, same kind of principles of we we paid for some new artwork and put it into the manufacturing pipeline. So it's not a high risk operation. <laughs> Um, 
now that integrated resorts are legal in Japan, how long before Konami opened up their own casino? They have a real estate subsidiary, if I remember correctly. I've also heard the gaming industry in Japan, gambling industry in Japan continues to be a mess. I mean, I think most uh, gambling industries end up being a mess. Uh... I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> I've, I've had many conversations with Japanese people about how Pachinko is not technically a casino. Huh. Yeah, which is part of why it's so dominant, because you can put it places you can't put your slot machines. No, I mean, Patchy Slot is included in this, because it's it yeah, works I know. the same thing as well. But, yeah, it's uh, no, because I mean, it's technically still. per se are illegal in Japan. Mm -hmm. So they're not casinos because you do not actually exchange the little balls for money in the, the same building. Someone else is perfectly at liberty to uh, Just exchange the ball. Yeah. Totally unrelated business. God only knows what they'll do with the balls. Who can say, really? Yeah. But, I told you about yeah. the time um, somebody actually, um, a pachinko parlor actually sued a hospital to move. Jesus. Huh. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's the fun story. Is, um, so, like, there are actual zoning laws um, about where you can put pachinko parlors. It says yeah. not within a certain distance of a school or a hospital or whatever. And so there mm -hmm. was a pachinko parlor in this one town where clinic opened up down the street they were going mm -hmm. to be forced to move the pachinko parlor because of the extant zoning laws and the pachinko parlor owner successfully sued on the grounds that his biggest business rival in the city was actually a uh, backer of the clinic oh wow he had That's, uh... chosen the location to build this clinic personally in order to force him to move his pachinko parlor what a world uh, Which is why he won that lawsuit against the clinic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. Uh, Konami is a company that's difficult to read at the best of times, and I'm not sure uh, what the financials are on whatever amount of real estate they own, but, you know, a lot of... That's an expensive business, an expensive initial outlay, so I'm not sure how much uh, capacity or appetite there is for that. I mean, pachinko parlors are huge, literally, physically. It's true. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're a lot of money per square inch, but they are a lot of uh, square inches. <laughs> uh, speaking of Konami, we've talked about how sports game fans are often considered a separate group from the quote-unquote mainstream gaming scene. Other groups are treated like this. Gotcha gamers? I think those are generally considered more of a subset, different from the way sports game fans are. Because, you know, the, the, they're definitely... Mobile gamers are often treated as being separate, but within them there's these, the people who play gotcha games that are generally more considered to be uh, the crossover between people who play on mobile and people who play obsessively other things that are not gotcha games. Uh, trading card gamers. I, I'm not sure if I would count those as video games. 
I'm starting to wish for someone who knows these things to look into why and how Konami's pivot to Pachinko happened at the same time as them putting up more resources to collect digital games like all the post 20th, uh, 2010s Yu Gi Oh! mobile games. I mean, I think the, the answer for that one just ends up being that they're much. Uh, to produce some ways. Yeah, like the, the big outlay for like a mobile Yu Gi Oh! game is going to be in the infrastructure and like the general like netcode and shit and designing the exact like gotcha poles and ratios and of course they did some other stuff that was like real like sublime nonsense with some of them because they work on variant rule sets but the, the answer is that like actually producing them is generally a slightly less risky proposition got a better uh, cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, it looks better in a spreadsheet. I mean, that's the entire, that's half the reason why mobile gaming is the way it is. Mm -hmm. so. it's, it's important to have uh, places where uh, it, where you don't need to bet the entire farm on every project. <laughs> it's been slightly heartening to see companies like Square move away from every one of our projects needs to be a uh, needs to be a Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts uh, level of success in order to be justified. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it's one of those like, I feel like the, it, I wouldn't have access to the kinds of business, Japanese business reporting uh, and the appetite to read through uh, investor reports in a foreign language uh, to uh, decode, but I feel like the answer to this is just inevitably it makes as much or more and it costs less to do and it takes less time to do it, which is another key factor because it means that there's fewer quarters where you're just reporting on the balance sheet. This is costs may... Uh, spent on things we can't even really talk about yet. So. Sounds like and, yeah, chaos. Chaos. Pure chaos. Welcome, Joe. Yeah, I Hello, was, Joe. I was briefly on and then my stupid Chromebook disconnected me and had to download a bunch of updates. Yay. Yeah. So, damn good times. Before I realized I was cut off, I tried to ask, you got that running on that old GPU, that 5500 XT? No, it's running on Steam Deck. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is even... Wait, that's even weaker. What? Is it? <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, no, just, I mean... Just curious. Square has been trying to get basically all of uh, it ran on a PS4, and Square's been trying to get basically all of their yeah. PC ports to run on Steam Deck. So, yeah, I don't think Stranger Paradise is um, that crazy to run on older stuff. Basically, anything that someone managed to get a PS4 version running seems to at least run acceptably on Steam Deck. So. Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, Last of Us Part 1, unsupported on Steam Deck. 
I mean, unsupported, basically, on PC. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I don't it can't care. even run on a 4080 Ti. <laughs> much do those cost again? I'm going to check. <laughs> it can't run on a $1,000 GPU. $1,200. <laughs> <laughs> not a... Not a... Not, not a oh. But but there's a mod that makes Joel look like Pedro Pascal. <laughs> but I played that Finally, game on my old PS3. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that game still needs to be like... Maybe thirty dollars before I'd even consider it. Yep. Uh, cool beans. So way last of us. Last of us. On... No. 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 Last of Us Part One, or whatever else you want to say about it, they did rip it up from the studs and remake it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell because it's hard to tell unless you're really keyed in because the original looked really. It was a very impressive looking game, and there's only there's some heavy diminishing returns, but like it is it is completely it, it's just the they they rushed it out, <laughs> they they rushed it out because they wanted it to be at least somewhat coincident with the Last of Us TV series first season, which covers mm. most of the same material. So it's like well, I mean it's understandable, it's just it's not fortunate. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, the the result is that they produced something that honestly probably makes the game look worse. It's just kind of the opposite of the intention, but what you're going to do. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it was, there, there's some uh, interesting findings. I was watching the Digital Foundry on, video on it in the background while I was working, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the thing that's, that's wild about it is that it's, you know, it's not super well optimized for PC, even when it is, uh, even when it isn't bugging out all to hell and back. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they just they forced it out the door because they wanted it to be, they need the marketing synergy. So, it's, uh, yeah, pity, pity for the poor uh, pouring uh, house at Iron Galaxy being forced to just try to get something functional out there. Uh, but yeah, uh, popping into the questions on the Discord again. Uh, can we talk about modern games being ported to the arcade? I just recently found out that my favorite run and gun, Blazing Chrome, was ported on the Exa Arcadia arcade system, which has itself as the modern day AES. Need for Speed Heat has an arcade port too. Yeah, uh, you do see that. I'm very, uh, you know, be, because arcades are no longer the place where like high end hardware lives, it kind of makes sense to just sort of take the AES approach of, you know, you have essentially a mid-range, uh, a mid to high-range PC uh, built into an arcade cabinet, and then you, know, you put some games on it, uh, you can swap marquee art if you, need, uh, if you need to, and, you know, you don't have to keep buying cabinets, and it mostly just functions the way you 
you'd expect it to. I think the weirder ones are when it's stuff, when it's like arcade reconfigured versions of stuff that isn't inherently an arcade game, like the Luigi's Mansion arcade game. I've seen that one. It looks funny. It's yeah, I, I believe that it's technically based off of the 3DS Luigi's Mansion. It is. I, I can say that for certain because I've seen it in action. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's definitely a, based off of Luigi's Mansion 2. Yeah, and it's just kind of fascinating that they did it at all. Also, that it was partly, it was, like, developed by Capcom. Extremely strange series of business arrangements there. Um, yeah, but you can carry your own um, vac or, or what was the word? Obacuum. Poltergeist? <laughs> Obacuum. Obacuum. That's a really good joke. Obake vacuum, yes. Obacuum. And yeah. um, the ghosts yourself, yeah. Yeah. No, and now I'm appreciating that Poltergeist is a good translation for that. <laughs> was it in English? Uh, Poltergeist. That's pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Nintendo of America in 2001. <laughs> I mean, they did some really good localization for titles and things. I remember um, some of the Mario and Luigi RPG translated titles were so much fun here in English. Yeah, they have actual titles in English ones. I mean, some That's of the it. other games too, like. Um, I mean, Keita no Kabi was much better. I mean, even literally translated, they still managed to make it work better just because yarn has two completely different meanings in English. <laughs> yeah, Kirby's Epic Yarn is a great uh, is a great one. Uh, oh, was I going to say something about it? Uh, yeah, I still think one of the most fascinating things in the world was those handful of like DS games where Nintendo of America and Nintendo of Europe made different translations. Uh, Which ones were those? Uh, there's there's a few of them, uh, but the one that springs to mind most readily is a game that, uh, if if they hadn't translated it twice, it wouldn't be clear that it was originally written in Japanese because the Japanese version was a very given very limited distribution. But Advance Wars, uh, Day of Days of Ruin slash Dark Conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it was only available as like essentially a Club Nintendo thing in Japan. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, would, it would not be immediately obvious that they had even initially written it in Japanese just because it was originally only available in the US and Europe, except for the fact that it has two different scripts that are evidently based off the same script. So... Presumably, it was written and developed in Japanese, then translated into English twice for some reason, <laughs> and then vaguely half-released in Japan. Extraordinarily strange. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Isn't the Taito X4 about as powerful as PS4? I haven't checked in with what the Taito Arcade Board's actual, like, most comparable levels of power are at this stage but yeah it sounds about right because i mean like for the most part you just you just need uh those those arcade boards to be comparable to consoles and then you know you can reconfigure whatever you want for the for the arcade release if you decide that your game is suitable for that which is why you get stuff like need for speed or blazing chrome uh uh, you know, you, you want them to be similar to the consoles 
just for a multitude of reasons. Because the R&D of making them more powerful doesn't make sense for anyone in the chain. It doesn't make sense to devote that R&D to an arcade, a niche arcade game. It doesn't make that uh, any sense for an arcade operator to buy it, because it's expensive and only your games are ever going to work on it. It's just, you know, you, you, you just, just keep the hardware mid-range. It makes the most sense. Um, See. Um, we talked about how piracy in the arcades have changed in the past decade or so. I remember going through NeoGAF threads where people posted pictures of bootleg Neo Geo and Thomas Wave cartridges. Nowadays, though, you don't even see the real arcade systems anymore. I think it's a combination of old hardware breaking down and selling these things to collectors makes a lot of money. Right now, you're more likely to see own one emulator boxes, such as Pandora boxes at the arcades. Yeah, bespoke hardware is not of interest to an arcade. They don't care. In fact, they would much rather it not be bespoke, because that means if it breaks down, uh, it's much more difficult to replace. Uh, so give, give them generic hardware. Love the weird bespoke stuff. So, you know, that's who you sell your uh, extremely specific stuff. I do think that old school arcade piracy is fascinating because it led to some of the most surreal and draconian uh, anti-piracy uh, systems ever devised. Uh, what's this actually called? Because the nickname for it is a little tasteless. Uh, there's a CPS2 system uh, devised uh, for uh, the uh, de devised essentially for uh, mid 90s Capcom arcade games. Okay. Uh, the, the somewhat tasteless nickname that this, uh, this that this ended up getting was the suicide battery. Uh, Basically, uh, these games were nor normally you buy uh, a, a game that is uh, at that time it's stored on a ROM chip. You know, some read-only memory. Uh, nothing can. It's essentially burned in there for all intents and purposes forever. Uh, forever. I saw the sand lot too. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the these games were not on ROM. They were on battery-backed RAM. RAM, when it runs out of power, uh, fucking, you know, whatever was in it, it's gone. Uh, okay, that's why your high score lists always disappeared when you unplugged the machine. The thing that they did here that was truly just bizarre is that some of the game was stored on ROM, and some of the game was stored on battery-backed RAM. Mm -hmm. And so in order to make it harder to pirate these, these games, like Super Turbo, Darkstalkers, Night Warriors, Marvel vs. Capcom, they were on this 
like half the program was in ROM, half of it was in battery back RAM, and if you tried to get at the program data that was stored in the battery back RAM, you were probably going to obliterate it because it would involve trying to keep it powered while desoldering it, or finding a way to uh, finding a way to like collect the data on it without actually turning it off. It's uh, an extremely high-risk operation that doesn't work too well. But of course it meant that people who bought it uh, were on a time limit. Eventually the machine was just, eventually the battery was just going to burn out and they were going to have a useless arcade board. Wow. The reason why CPS2 preservation is such a minefield. Yeah, like, eventually I believe all of these did get dumped, but it was, it was not an easy thing to do. Uh, one, one of the wildest anti-piracy uh, things anyone ever did, but it was one of those things where, like, you can kind of see how it made sense to go that draconian in this context because, uh, you know, a top-selling arcade board is selling, like, tens of thousands of units. Like, if you can just, uh, like, bootlegging that and selling it really does eat at your profits, so you do end up with this. There's a greater incentive to be really draconian because you also are selling generally to very specific people. A lot of a lot of stuff going on there, but one of the, one of the weirdest. Uh, there, there's a bunch of stuff like that. Um, it got kind of nuts. Okay, there were some uh, discussions about some of Fireminer's questions within the Discord. Let's see. Okay, and that sounds like it's probably for RPG Cast because I would not allow anyone to talk about Diablo 3 4 and Path Yeah, no, that's I would, I would die. RPG Cast. <laughs> I would die. Um, oh, what question? Oh, there's there's some. Uh, we were just looking at the RPG Chris part for some questions. Okay, but you don't want to answer any questions about action RPGs. Were there questions about action? Oh, oh you it, just... it was. Oh, I was oh. saying that I wouldn't. I, I fucking barely count Diablo as an action RPG. It's a quick fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I already said that I was highly disappointed with the Diablo 4 beta. Yeah, you mentioned, I think that was, uh, it, I, I believe I was able to, you, you were able to go on about that without me stopping you for at least some of, you, of shenanigans. Yeah, I, I believe so. Let's see, okay, it doesn't look like there's anything in the uh, Mario sections. movie. I didn't I see bad. it yet. I want to see it. I uh, don't want to hear anything about it. I want to go in totally surprised. Going to see it tomorrow with the kids. Uh, most of what I've heard about it is from fellow gamers with children on Twitter, most of whom are just like, yeah, we enjoyed that a lot more than I expected. Thing. It so, seems um, like it's a good children's movie. <laughs> yeah. 
the uh, the audience reaction scores are all very high. Oh, okay. should be fun. I think yeah. I saw like a, a Kotaku ho headline that was like, why it was disappointing. And I'm like, I'm not fucking reading this. No, no. <laughs> I don't. I, it's, I, it's Kotaku. Yeah, I, exactly. It's clickbait. Yeah. I, I personally can't imagine having the kind of expectations for it necessary to be disappointed by it. <laughs> like not, not to say that I think it'll be bad so much. It's just like, it's a kid's movie. What did you expect? Right, it's as long it's as it's not like the as long as it's not like the one from '93. Exactly, it definitely isn't by all accounts. As long as it's... we don't get another thirty years of no Nintendo movies, that's a That seems unlikely given how much this is making. I mean, we yeah. could tell from the trailer that it was like better than the entirety of the original yeah. Mario movie. True. I love the '93 movie, but it is not what anyone wanted from a Mario movie. Yeah. No. Chris Pratt, but I think Chris Pratt. I think CG just, was always I'm, the way to go. You I'm know? sorry, Tam. This is not totally directed at you. But can people just shut the fuck up about Chris Pratt? For fuck's sake, I don't care anymore. Just shut up. I like Chris Pratt. He's fine. Uh, we're, yeah. we're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, okay. Actually, one question though: How was Jack Black as? Bowser, was that was it good? I don't think any of us have no, we haven't heard seen it. it yet. None of us actually uh, seen it. Okay, sorry. The the clips from the the clips that I've seen from the trailers, he sounds like a good voice. Yeah, I mean, he's he a good sounds voice like he would be a good choice just for being yeah. him. Okay. I mean, you can trust him to just go completely crazy with it. Doomerang okay, Doomerang says, says amazingly good as that's awesome. I just saw it two hours ago. Tam, 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 Tam. It doesn't sound anything like Mario. I don't care. I don't care. See, this is the thing. In no, a no we're not having this discussion. No, this, we're not having no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with Chris Pratt. In a movie, <laughs> in anything Mario related, the character I care about the least is Mario. <laughs> I just think everyone around Mario is what I care about. Mario just has to be there. <laughs> well, I, I, well, Mario's there, all right. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Luigi's who I want to play Luigi. Uh, Bowser sounds yeah, no, awesome. I'm not, Perfect. I'm, I am not dissing the movie. No. <laughs> I am just dis dissing that one bit. Everything I have seen and everyone I know who has seen it has said it's an amazing movie outside of that one issue. But I'm not <laughs> saying the movie is going to be complete shit because of that one issue, like some people are. I just, That's I, the difference. I, I, yeah, I, it's, I, I don't know. It's I, almost like the actor was super popular when they were casting the movie. I, I don't I'm, know. I'm it's so down weird. This conversation. We're moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So have we hit the actual list yet? Yeah, I was about to hit us on the list. Um, okay. See, um... Okay, could a parodic RPG ever be as successful as one which plays things straight? Uh, depends upon what kind of successful you mean. If you're, if you mean you know, monetary RPG, parodic RPG. Parodic. Yeah, like parody. Oh. Okay, I kept hearing erotic, and I'm like, I, I've seen those, and no, but okay. No. Well. There, there's a few good ones out there. I've played them. I'll take yeah, your word. A lot of bad ones. Not the discussion. Been, I've been asked not to discuss a few at times, but um, still, okay. Erotic, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I would say uh, I, th I think there's probably appetite for it, uh, but I you got to sustain parity for. I think the thing you actually run into with a parody RPG is RPGs are really long, and parodies running really long is really hard. Mm. <laughs> you can you can make an argument that some of the shorter deconstruction RPGs from more recently are or some sort oh, 100%. of hundred percent. I mean, yeah, Sergeant Frog RPG is self parody massively. Yeah, but I would also bring in parody. things. Yeah, I would also bring in things that are like. Uh, gameplay parodies like Half Minute Hero. Uh, I, I was gonna say, uh, um, like, uh, what was it? Ugh. The Zabot game. Yeah, you... We, need we gotta play Halo Infinite. Oh. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get, we'll get to that. What were you saying, uh, I mean, Sorry. Yeah, if you look into the, the games that attempt to deconstruct RPGs, most of those have to be parodies by default. Mm hmm. And you know some of those. Yushishisu or Hero Must Die. Mm -hmm. um, the rest, yeah. Those... I'd honestly even throw Undertale into this. Yeah. yeah. Undertale in its own way, yeah. Um, but again, like Sergeant Frog RPG was specifically roasting Dragon Quest Nine at various points. Mm -hmm. Like you, you get to the hot Western high fantasy section of that game. You're talking to an innkeeper, and he's talking about all of these lazy, good-for-nothing adventurers, and then he names off literally these six principal class types from Dragon Quest Nine as mm -hmm. people that he wishes he could never see again. My uh, my my uh, thing that I would say for this is that uh, you definitely have to be doing something. Uh, like the the jokes have to the the obvious bit the jokes have to land. Uh, I think back to. I don't think I have ever more immediately despised a joke that I a hundred percent got hmm. than uh, that didn't offend me in any sense other than this joke sucks. Than the one in three uh, D dot game heroes. Where you mm. go into a cave and a guy is like, "Oh, I'm trying to decide: should I marry my childhood friend or this rich girl?" And then you tell him which one to marry, and like whichever one you choose, like one of them, the childhood friend is this blonde girl, and uh, the rich girl is the screen-haired girl, and it's just like the joke here is that Dragon Quest V existed at some point, and you've heard of it. <laughs> go fuck yeah, yourself. That's, that's too on the nose. Yikes. Like, you need to say, you can't just say, haha, Dragon Quest V happened at one point. Remember that? You had a good time with that. Please love me. No, you have to actually say something about it, even if it's just like making, like, the, the basic version of that joke is the guy marrying the rich girl because he wants money. Like, that's the basic version of that joke. And they didn't even go that far. Complete failure, top to bottom. Uh, really crystallized what I disliked about that video game. I'm thinking of one of the major points that I, um, that you can say about, for example, Weird Al Yankovic and musically. Mm -hmm. You're going to do a parody of something, you have to do it at least as well as the original in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Make it work properly. I mean, so if, if you're going to make a parody RPG, it's going to have to be a pretty good RPG to begin with. Or at mm -hmm. least good enough for the level that you are attempting to aim at. Mm -hmm. So. That's why you could point at something like 
Tales of Frog because it's, you know, it's the Tales team. Uh, and when they were on kind of a hot streak at that period. or It's a really well-made game that just happens to be about as ridiculously meta as you can get. Yeah, or uh, as, as mentioned, if we're counting Undertale, like, you know, an extremely well-made homage to and parody of many aspects of the RPG genre. Or but... Moon, which was specifically a deconstruction of Dragon Quest. Yep. That's the other thing is that uh, you get the difference, uh, you end up with the difference of RPG parody or parody RPG. <laughs> because Moon is very much not an RPG. What about um, but... Evo Land? Evo Land. Evo, Evo, whatever. Oh, Evo Land is different from EVO's uh, Theory of Evolution yeah. or Search for Eden. Evo Land on Steam. Really, it's a ten, It's already ten years old. I was thinking of a, April. Oh Jesus! I was thinking of. I was thinking of like five different things with Evo in the name, up to and including Evo Space Adventures. So. I was thinking Devo, but yeah. Are we not men? Uh, let's Here, see. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, I never got around to Evo Land. Apparently, I own both of them, and I never played them. But impressive they... work. Very I have yeah. a huge library of stuff I've never played. Exactly. So, like, there's like one area that's copying Zelda, but then there's an area that copies Pokemon Red and Blue, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's what it does. I guess as you go through the game, it just copies other games at different points. A journey through the history of classic adventure and RPG gaming. It is intended to be like this. Right. Well, my favorite parody game, not an RPG, but it's Parodius for. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Parody of Gradius. I'm like, oh, I got it right away, and then I played it. I'm like, this is more fun. Wow, I get to play as a penguin, and and then I, I don't know, or there's a Penta. penguin boss or something. It's yeah. No, you can play as Penta. Awesome. Uh, he's uh, yeah, again, like all those characters are. Well. Okay. It goes back to making your parody the best possible game it can be beyond just being a parody. Yes. Also, the names the names of the uh, Parodius games are all, in, in Japanese, they're all extremely weird deep cuts parodying random-ass Konami games. Uh, there's, uh, I think my personal favorites are... Uh, Parodius from Myth to Laughter, uh, which is a play on a tagline used in uh, one of the Gradius games that was like from legend to myth. So it went from myth. The really tragic uh, self awareness of uh, Parodius Pursue the Glory of the Past. Which was a reference to the fact that even in like 1992, it was it was obvious that the popularity of shooters was on a downslope. So they were making a game about pursuing like when shooters were more popular. Uh, and Jikyo uh, Oshaberi Proteus uh, had a uh, when it was ported to consoles. Uh, it got the 
uh, subtitle of Forever With Me, which was a play on one of the Tokimeki Memorial updated release releases was called Tokimeki Memorial Forever With You. You are not trapped. Uh, Parodius is not stuck with you. You are stuck with Parodius. Parodius. Uh, chatting Parodius live uh, forever with me. But yeah. A lot of, lot of really dumb shit there. Uh, also, if you like Parodius, maybe uh, give Star Parodier uh, a look. It is the parody version of a lovely old shooter series from Hudson called Star, uh, Star Soldier. I've played that. On Turbo Graphics. Yeah. Or PC Engine. Thinking, would Kingdom of Loathing or West of Loathing count? Because they're just... Oh, those are parodies, yeah. yeah. I think uh, Quest for Infamy is also... Oh, yes, that one is... That's definitely a parody. Yes. <laughs> it is so massively a parody. <laughs> Although, do not get it on console. <laughs> no, I, I heard from Paws that the, it was not a very good console port. So there was a okay. Yeah, I mean, she actually she uh, she consulted me a bit a few times just because I did the the uh, Steam review, mm. and we're just like, oh man, this sounds so much worse than what I played. Oh, so sorry to hear I that. I wonder if it was something they could patch. I suppose it depends upon when it was. Uh, uh, a lot of it had to do with the way the controls were working. Is it you know? Okay, so something you could fix, but they probably wouldn't. <laughs> And the uh, guy who made it originally, he was, I know he's kind of canceled for a sequel just for his own health. So Yeah, it happens a lot with indie creators. Yep. So I'm not sure how, I mean, I doubt that he had very much actual input in anything involving the port beyond authorizing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, Fireminer did ask an augmentation of this question in the chat. Uh... What about an RPG made by someone who's never played an RPG? Any Kuso gay like that? I mean, Mother 1 kind of is that. I suppose he had played Dragon Say, Quest uh, 2. It's pretty obvious. But... Dra Dragon Quest 1. <laughs> Listen, he played a lot of uh, wizardry. and uh, Yes, and it's, yeah, it's very little like wizardry. It's true, it's true. Uh, Dragon Quest 1 is very much someone looking at uh, Ultima and Wizardry and being like, how can I make this less unfriendly? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, I mean, he originally did, like, first-person adventure games. Yeah, um, like and you can see a lot of the interface cross-pollinating in Dragon Quest 1. I think he made one of those games before Dragon Quest 1 just so that he could get enough clout within the company to actually press for Dragon Quest 1. Mm -hmm. I mean, Portopia was huge, so... Which is why the interfaces look so similar is because he basically created that first game's interface with Dragon Quest in mind. Hmm. But, uh... I can say something about it. Uh, I mean, other, otherwise you get into some, like, some Famicom games, like the infamous uh, Hoshio Hito was probably made by people who had not played a lot of RPGs. I mean, Legend of Dragoon. No, 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 no. No, they no, played no. a lot of F7. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> but the me Okay, um, to clarify that statement, the music team for file for Legend of Dragoon, not ever. Um, one of the guys said, "Oh yeah, I just thought I I just made music based on what I would think would be in an RPG." <laughs> mm -hmm. 
You were saying that's the official interview response he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not too uncommon. I remember hearing Kenji Ito from the Saga series saying that he never actually played RPGs that much at all. He's made music. Especially when you get people who are composers who don't do a lot of game work, which I believe the composers for Legend of Dragon were that. <laughs> but you were saying... It's less common over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. It, get, it gets harder. It gets harder to find people who just don't play games at all, but are still willing to compose for them, so... But, yeah, uh, you know, you you dig far back into uh, Famicom stuff, and you'll find some stuff that's, like, absolute garbage that was made by people who don't seem to have played a lot of RPGs. (laughs) In the case of Hoshio Mirihito, that's... It's more like it's a bunch of people who probably have played RPGs but have never actually attempted to code anything in their life. Perhaps uh, Super Monkey Daipokan is closer to someone who has not actually played an RPG but had one described to them. Mm-hmm. Also couldn't code. Also could not code. That is a that is a Famicom game with load times. Uh, I mean, ooh. when I can honestly say that this one old Famicom game is worse than any any early access Steam RPG I have RPG Maker game I have ever seen. I do really want you now that you've played Hoshio Mirohito, I want you to play Gonzo Sayuki Super Monkey Daibo Ken. Find me a copy I can somehow play and sure. <laughs> uh, there was a the the Japanese uh, TV show. Uh, Game Center CX had like an entire season where he was like in the background of all the other episodes. He was just trying to finish Super Monkey Daibo Ken by by doing this game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a sight to behold. A sight to behold. Uh. If you like uh, weird old games and haven't watched it, uh, there's a lot of uh, officially and unofficially subtitled episodes of Game Center CX floating around. It's a it's a good time. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to another question. Uh, on that topic, are the most popular RPGs not necessarily the best one? Best is subjective. Uh, niche things tend to be much more beloved by the people who love them because they spoke to them in a very specific fashion. Uh, that, that really feels like the, the only meaningful thing to say about this is that, like, for the kind of person who loves the less popular things, they're going to love them because it speaks to them in a much more specific way than something that's extremely mainstream. Uh, which company handles Disney's properties better, Capcom or Square Enix? Square Enix really only ever touches one of them. Uh, I, you know, as much as I love Kingdom Hearts, that's a very specific uh, avenue as opposed to Capcom's like many different weird Disney collaborations. So uh, it feels it feels by sheer breadth much fairer to say Capcom. 
Oh, hey, Doomerang asked something for the wheels of the world. Yes. What's your favorite Disgaea story? Oh, three. It's got a good... Done and dusted. Great. It's got a great mix of humor and heart, really funny characters, and a nice, clean 30 hours-ish campaign. And obviously, mm-hmm. being Disgaea, you can expand that to many, many hours of post-game. And Essentially of infinite if you're sufficiently yeah. crazy. <laughs> but it doesn't overstay its welcome if you just want to play the story and have fun with that. So, definitely three, with four being a very, very close second. I, I am the reverse. Five, five, I, five I can go four. die in a fire. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. Well, the story was great. No. I just yeah. like Valvatore as a character. Sardines! Oh, yeah. Yes. Sardines! Yes, I said four is a very, very close second. It's great. I, love I think four. I think when I think when Tim said that he was the opposite, he was saying that he thinks four is the best with three as a close second. Yeah, it's fine. I knew that. And he very still wants me to die in a fire because of it. No, no, no. I said no, 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 no. I said five, five, five. could die in a fire. Five needs to That's die. In a fire. <laughs> Sorry, I had I had to throw that dig in there. <laughs> Oh. You didn't have to, but I'm you legally wouldn't required you because you're just broken. I, um, I've not played five enough to know for sure. Well, it's very long, so if you plan to just, uh, you know, set aside a mountain of time. What do you think of the secret home ec teacher voiced by Nolan North? He was awesome. And which one? Mr. Champlou from. Disgaea 3. He's voiced by Nolan North? Yeah. <sighs> That's awesome. I, I swear to God. I, I'm also, I could be wrong. I don't know. No, but and that, he, no one surprised me. In yeah, he was in, I mean, he was in a freaking um, Art and Alico heart, game back then. Your heart so. has many ingredients. <laughs> or whatever it was. He, also, he was in basically everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was. He, he was. Yeah. He was a big deal. He actually he has a cameo in the Uncharted movie, although it's great. You know, it's it's an okay movie. It's fine. It's fine. It's fun. It, you know, it is one of the better video game adaptions, yes, or movie adaptions of a game. I mean, but there's it, such a very long list of ones that are not good. Right. It, it was infinitely we, better than every one of those god awful Resident Evil movies. Are we prepared okay. for the new Street Fighter movie that just got announced? Oh, what? Dear Third Lord. time to charm. God, help us all. Live action or, or animated? Live action. Oh, wow. No. Actually, uh, it it was not Nolan North. Oh. oh it was what? Christopher Corey Smith. Oh, I have no idea who that is. Who is that? <laughs> no idea. Uh, Are you yeah, sure? So, all right. So, yeah, looking at it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Legendary has has picked up the rights for a new Street Fighter movie. It's be uh, a new live action Street Fighter movie. This will be attempt number three. Uh, the first one is funny. The second one is boring. Hopefully, we get something that's at least as mm. funny as the first one. Uh, Doomerang says oh. Mister Shampoo is the best disguise character ever. I oh, really... Laura Bailey lures Rass Barrel. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Oh, this guy three rules. 
Yeah. But it's a uh, it's a, some random guy who kind of sounds like Nolan North. How about that? Well, you know who does a lot of stuff. Well, for a while I thought Valva Torres was Troy Baker at one point, and it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think they could afford. I think afford I just him. wanted it to be Nolan North so bad. I mean, like I said, he was in an Artanelco game. It wouldn't shock me at all. That that's like a lesser thing even than Disgaea. I think they're different dubbing studios is the thing. Really? I mean, weren't they both Nissa though? Okay, you, so, you should not assume that they use. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so that's the that's the thing. So there's a couple companies that own dubbing studios. Um, as an example, Funimation owns their own dubbing studio, which is why we get a lot of repeats with like Laura Bailey and all them because they work under that company. But Nolan North, I believe, works for a different com company. I don't gotcha. know if he. What company is he with? A lot of times they're based in specific parts of the country and it isn't actually financially in the voice actor's best interest to move around for roles. Yeah, so like, that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah, like Bang Zoom was uh, Bang Zoom used to I don't I don't know which companies are because uh, I'm no longer really in the know for the companies anymore. But like Bang Zoom used to be or Zero G Room used to be in California. Ocean Group was Vancouver. So that's how come you had like ones. very yeah so that's how come you had like very well zero g room had a very good um rep for a while yeah when i when i think of the ocean group i think of the the like well it was cheaper to go to canada <laughs> yeah the... and that's how come like and that's one of the big things with the dbz dub um back in the 90s is part of it was done by ocean for a while because pioneer generally used the ocean group but then when funimation got the rights that's how come a bunch of voice acting actors got changed was because funimation yeah, was down in texas but yeah like they did all that stuff in-house in texas yeah uh Oh, I don't know. My research is showing Mr. Champlu is Nolan North. Hmm. I got it off of IMDb. Okay. I wouldn't trust IMDb too much. Uh, Where are you saying sure those not... things? Like a lot of these. I'm not sure if a Disgaea fandom is. Oh, is, yeah. Like the issue is that is that most either. of these. Right. The, the issue you run into is that most of these don't have actual voice acting credits because they're non-union. Okay. So you end up with like it, it ends up being eh, who can say? Like well, they didn't publicize who did them. Yeah, so here's the thing is um when I pulled so the list on IMDb does list the ones that are go uncredited. Uh Laura Bailey as Raspberry was actually listed as uncredited. Mr. Champlou's was not listed as being uncredited. Mm-hmm. There's also the issue that a number of voice actors also go under different credits depending upon what uh, what they're working in. So you get like a million other questions that run into that you run into with dubbing. Yeah, and that and that was some and that's actually something I just saw uh, even happens in Japan where you have this really popular voice actress who does one type of role and they go under a completely different name when they're doing the hentai. 
Oh yeah, that one's more yeah. obvious. Uh, yeah, I mean, for Japan, a lot of times, very popular character names are inextricably linked to their voice actor. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, there was practically a day of mourning when um, the voice actress for Dokin Chan from Anpan Man died. Mm -hmm. And they had a nationwide search for a replacement. <laughs> kind of thing. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird to see what Dragon Ball Media does the second that the lady that voices like half the cast dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, she's gotta be like in her eighties. She is. Yeah, Masako Nozawa. Nineteen thirty-six. Damn. Oh man, what what would happen if um, what's her name? Nancy Cartwright passed away. Oh man. I mean, all of the Simpsons voice yeah, actors are getting well into their seventies. They sound yeah. old. Yeah. <laughs> At least for Japan, um, there have been case. I mean, there have been a lot of cases with Anpai Man just because it's been it is like the longest ongoing animated series on the planet. But um, when the guy who regularly voiced um, um, like Jam Ojisan, one of the major characters, died, um, one of the other characters who was on the main cast who had worked with him a lot was basically his understudy. Yeah, they kind of built that in. And so. Um, so the guy who was doing the the hippo kid's voice was is now doing Oji San's voice. Mm -hmm. So, so they they certainly have some sort of redundancy and backups trained in, especially for voice actors who are that old. Yeah, I, I would imagine for The Simpsons, especially now that it's under Disney's umbrella, Disney is very much a company that like when a Mickey Mouse dies, they have a new Mickey Mouse ready. And I would. It's it's nightmarish, but I mean that's just how they do. It was they did not. They did not spend any time wondering who was going to be, uh, who was going to be Mickey. Uh, when God, what's his fucking name? Uh, when. Uh, Why does this look so much better on your Switch than it does on mine? Because uh, it's been patched since you played it for five minutes. No, I, I tried it again recently, and I I don't know. I, I, I just know. I wasn't happy with any of the three graphic settings. Well, but yeah, okay, uh, when that's who it was. When Wayne Allwine died, they they did not miss a beat. Like oh, there was. God. Mickey content coming out like within a, a couple months of that. So it's just like, no, we had another Mickey. We had long determined who would be the next Mickey when Wayne Online dies. Okay. So, Mickey is going to be in public domain at some point. No, 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 no. not true. The version of Mickey no, from Steamboat Willie will be in public domain. Steamboat Willie, okay. Yes, not yeah. the character in general. Specific works will be, but yes. the tra anything gotcha. trademark. You would be you would be allowed to make a Mickey Mouse thing as long as you could prove that it did not take anything from anything that was not in copyright, which means that you could not actually make a Mickey Mouse thing in any fashion. <laughs> Disney has better lawyers than you. Yeah, yeah I mean, quite aside from the fact that, like... Disney could uh, crush you into the ground, uh, even attempting it. There's also the fact that Mickey's ears are trademarked. Yeah, so that's the issue. The silhouette the makes it. silhouette. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, and it's trademark like when, doesn't um, expire. 
<laughs> it's like when Winnie the Pooh became public domain. You can make you can make your own Winnie the Pooh items now, but it cannot look anything like Disney's character Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, a key point so, being, especially no red shirt. That's very specifically the red shirt. Yeah. So um, the only reason you could possibly make anything with Winnie the Pooh in it is because the original books had their own illustrations that cannot be or are not the actual property of. Yeah. Disney doesn't own that, and it's very specifically not something that they can maintain any sort of copyright on. But yeah, uh, yeah with Mickey. That movie. Blood and Honey. I have not because specifically I, what I was thinking of, but I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, I, I, I don't find it terribly interesting. I I want to watch it. I know it's going to be awful, but I have a, I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those like so bad it's good or so, yeah. I don't I, know. I'm I, sure I, that's I, what they're attempting. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Like I find the uh, I, I find that like here's a child's thing and it's fucked up to be kind of yeah uh, right. prosaic. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't blame you. I mean, people, there are worse things you could spend your time doing. It's just why I don't personally care. Uh, but yeah, uh, thinking back to parody things, that's kind of what I mean. The extends to Blood and Honey is like, if it's actually a well-made movie, then sure, this is going to be interesting. However, we know it's not going to be a well-made movie. It's going to be a movie that's banking completely on the fact that, hey, it's Winnie the Pooh. The novelty of the Winnie the Pooh slasher movie. And that's the only thing it's going to have selling for it, and that's why it's not going to be that good. See, trademark is stupid. I'm looking at you, Monster Energy. I mean, hmm. uh, the, the issue you run into is that you, when a company starts getting really uh getting really uh, aggressive with its trademarks, you end up needing another company. Uh, you need someone of similar, in a similar or higher weight class to decide to take on that lawsuit. I remember uh, there was a guy who had a, who, who was muscling like 10, 10 or 15 years back. This guy muscling in on any video game that had the name Edge in it that he thought he could get away with. Uh, like, he would just send season and desist on it. And, like, the, the word Edge shows up in a lot of game titles. It's whatever. Like, it's it's way too generic to try to, to try to trademark that. But he had been issued, like, essentially some degree of trademark protection on Edge as relating to video games. And... Eventually, it got stripped away because he got stupid and decided that he was going to try to uh, get money out of EA for Mirror's Edge. And EA was sufficiently incensed by the context concept of someone trying to essentially extort money out of them uh, over having the word Edge in their game title that they decided to actually just go to court. And uh, he did not have trademark on the word Edge as in the context of video games at that point. Uh, as it turns out, that was not. Uh... It's that like was not the uh... industry version of a slap of a slap suit. Yeah, um, I think uh, there. I heard of another similar one. Oh God, what was it now? Where this guy? Oh, it was YouTube. The there, you know, a channel that got really famous for like reaction videos. 
and they started suing like every other chain or you know doing dmca for uh copyright infringement for um you know people posting reaction videos and they basically got oh yeah react world and that shit it was basically it it was it was a very difficult thing it would be near unenforceable uh i mean DC did try to sue everyone for having Superman for having the word superhero at one point. Marvel and DC yeah. technically currently own a copyright, a co-copyright on or co-trademark on the term superhero at this stage. It's very silly. But, I mean, um, this was even before Marvel existed, though. It was back in the late forties or the or the antecessor to DC attempted to destroy every other comic book company out there that dared use the word superhero. I, I mean, they, they that's, a, that's a word that has now become such common use that the copyright doesn't matter. They're a trademark. In this it's the trademark sure. that they were trying to go for. Ah, it, it, it's trademark, but yeah, in, in this case, they, they went way further than that because they also like essentially successfully uh, obliterated the original Shazam, Captain Marvel, and then weirdly ate its corpse, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can still see oh, that even more. You can see that more recently. Um, like some of the past, um, not so, not so far in the past, uh, drama with the lit RPG community, oh, where Lord. one of the where one of the author one of the bigger authors attempted to trademark the term lit RPG. That's really silly. Because he he yeah. wanted, he felt that he had a custodial oh, interest in the genre and that. Every other major author was like inspired by his work, and um, it got really, really dumb. That's really um, silly. <laughs> yeah. And more recently, a different author attempted to trademark a term or that originated from one of his book titles to describe <laughs> a subset of this genre, and um, it did not did yeah. not earn him any goodwill from the community. Yeah. Tra trademark is not supposed to be uh, in legal capacity. You would trademark is supposed to be a shield, not a sword, so to speak. Uh, which doesn't mean that people don't try to use it as a sword, but it is one of those situations like where, like, yeah. But like, if if something comes to court, you end up having to make some sort of uh, it. You if it's it, you have to make essentially an argument that. There is reason. There is a risk that a reasonable consumer would conflate the two things that have been uh, that are in conflict, which is why uh, trademarks are also very specific to the type of industry you're in. Which is why, uh, you know, you had Apple Computer and Apple Records at each other's throats at varying points because for a long time, both trademarks were granted on the basis of these are unrelated businesses, and then Apple computers got very big into the music business and suddenly they were not completely unrelated businesses uh but in general you know like if these things are allowed to go to court uh, go to court the point is supposed to be that uh they will be uh you know that you you have to make some sort of proof that there was a reasonable expectation that a consumer would be confused by the uh, existence of the competing products. Okay, I'm, this is taking me back about 20 years now to an SAT question. It must be 25 mm -hmm. years ago. 
where it was a reading section question, and it was basically a reply letter from a publishing house to Coca-Cola over Coca-Cola's claim that a, a um, promotional flyer for this new author's book that said, it's the real thing, somehow infringed on their trademark of the phrase. <laughs> and it ended with, and should anyone go into the bookstore looking for a refreshing drink, they will be directed towards the convenience store next door. <laughs> but yeah, but the entire argument was basically, yes, no reasonable person would expect to be able to drink a book. <laughs> Pretty much. And there, there's like entire... Uh, there's like entire legal frameworks built around the concept of a reasonable person, which is also very funny, actually. Um, so many people out there willing to prove that reasonable is rarer than you would expect. And many people ready to pretend that they uh, re ready to pretend that they are incapable of being a reasonable person because they think will help them in the lawsuit, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, had a question that showed up in, uh, the, uh, comment section, or not comment section, but the, uh, chat. What's the deal with children's authors being horn dogs? First of all, adults and Dr. Seuss. Uh, the answer is, uh, children's authors are adults. Uh, they uh, they they compartmentalize, but you know they're still. Hon the honestly, yeah. Let let's just make it simple. Everybody in the world is secretly a horn dog. Some are more willing to accept this fact than others. Not everyone, can, but the, 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 the majority. Look into some of the non-children's book things that Roald Dahl wrote. Oh, um, that's that's one of the ones he brought up. But I mean, also yeah. look at say like. Uh, so, someone that a lot of people in the West would think of as primarily writing stuff for children, like Osama Tezuka, and it's just like, man, some of his stuff weird and horny. Osama Tezuka had like five hundred different works at one in his lifetime. It's it's, it's wild, yeah. It's That's like, why I said people in the West would think of. Yeah, I mean, you got to track through some of his backlog, but yeah, it's um, he's probably the most published author in japan at this point it's wild yeah all hated children's books and only wrote them to make ends meet i mean yeah most uh, not most but like plenty of people plenty of people make stuff because it's what they're good at and not necessarily mm -hmm. because they uh particularly care about it <laughs> yeah yeah oh, uh, um Sherlock, death to sherlock holmes <laughs> yeah uh what was wonderful was... wizard of oz I forget what I, I heard this story from a friend of mine. Um, she used to say, ha, "Have this good example of a actor who was like, oh yeah, that movie that they started is like, oh yeah, that movie, terrible movie. Here's the house it bought me." You are thinking of, I believe, uh, um, it was on Jaws: The Revenge, and you're thinking of like, yeah, this is Jaws: The Revenge, Kane, Michael Caine. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I've never seen this movie. I've heard it is quite terrible, but you know what? It's not terrible. The house that it bought me. Yes. Yeah. You know, people, 
people will do what they need to do to make a living. And if they're good at it, even if they hate it, they may still do it just so they can make a living. Yep. Or what was the, it? The... Um, so that um, I think, um, like, like Lewis Carroll and E.B. White and some of these other people that we know as writing specific children's books, they had normal stuff too that they wrote, like essays and and whatnot. Some of which say. they're much more proud of than the children's stuff. Um, That's a lot. No, Tchaikovsky yeah. was very annoyed that Nutcracker Suite was this random thing that he just made one Christmas on commission because he needed the money, and it's now it was his most popular work, and he was just very ticked off about that. Um, yeah. Then, similar lot. thing with the Christmas Carol mm -hmm. and, Dixon, yeah. and Dickens. Think a lot like, about. I think a lot about Laurence Olivier talking about being in the film Inchon. People ask me why I'm playing in this picture. The answer is simple. Money, dear boy. I'm like a vintage wine. You have to drink me quickly before I turn sour. I'm almost used up now, and I can feel the end coming. That's why I'm taking money now. I've got nothing to leave my family but the money I can make from films. Nothing is beneath me if it pays well. I've earned the right to damn well grab whatever I can in the time I've got left. In, so. I mean, a bit less cynical, but that's kind of how Raul Julia ended up in Street Fighter. Yep, same thing. Yep. But it's one of those things, his, like, you know... Except in I his case, I... it was just like, his kids really love Street Fighter, and he wanted to be something that they could actually watch. Yep. And also that it paid well. But, yeah. I mean, it's there is that, but I think, I, think his actual, I think he actually stated that his principal reason for wanting to try this one in the first place is because his, he knew it from his kids. Yeah. It's one of those... It to be something they could see. <sighs> Yeah, but it, it's a broader thing of like I don't I don't think it's terribly cynical to say like I I do things because I'm good at them and I need money. That's yeah. that's just the world we live in. <laughs> my favorite one of my favorite quotes is still um, Dennis Hopper Mario movie. Oh yeah, we didn't need shoes that badly. Yeah, that that was his son's quote, but still it was an excellent quote. It was like, yeah, Daddy, why did you do this movie? Oh, I well, you know those nice shoes. I needed to do it to buy those shoes for you, and it's like I didn't need them that badly. I don't need shoes that badly. Uh, yeah, did you know that um, some of uh, Shel Silverstein's poem books were like banned in various parts of the country or something? Shel yeah. Silverstein mm. was originally a writer and editor for Playboy magazine. Oh, really? Okay. A lot, yeah, of, um, a lot of people were. Yeah, um, no, but I mean, that was his principal thing. In order to get The Giving Tree published, he had to form his own publishing company because nobody would touch him for because of stuff oh, yeah. from Playboy. Yeah. yeah. You'd find, uh, he, he, was, only... he was also a weird old pervert, but at the same time, yeah, you'll also find the... That's why I brought him up, because he kind of, <laughs> I thought he fit the theme we're going for here. Yeah, but like, the, the, the broader the point the there was... Reason... I was going to say, the only reason The Giving Tree succeeded was because it came out with glowing reviews from the Catholic magazines who none of whose writers actually knew who he was. Yeah, the, the, broader, the broader thing about uh, association with Playboy is that it eventually became less toxic just because it was obvious why everyone wrote for fucking Playboy, because at the time they paid more per word than anyone else on the planet. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I like good money. the sidewalk ends and light in the attic. I, I have those three books. Where the sidewalk falling ends, up. light in the attic, falling up. Yeah. We yeah, really I moved away a... from gaming. I've got a yeah. recording of The Great Smoke Out. 
could do that. Okay. Well, my, okay. my well, my my niece. Uh, well, I have two nieces, and of course, the older one loved the poem uh, "Sister for Sale." I read it to her, and she just laughed. I'm like, "You love your sister, don't you?" And she's like, eh. <laughs> by, by the way, I, I have a title for the for this episode. <sighs> oh boy! Uh, instead of uh, Q and A, we should call it the Q and A book quest this this for this episode. Mm. Hey, who mm. wants to start a book club? Not me. I'm too lazy. <laughs> I need to join a book club or something. I don't know. I, I read books and then I have no one to talk to them about. Uh, so. I have basically all the time on my hands now because the only the only thing I have to worry about now is a cat. Hmm. Oh, cats are nice. Do my wife and kids are in Kentucky. Uh, what the hell are they doing there? They are taking care of my dying mother-in-law. Oh, oh, sorry. No, that's dark. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, she has sclerosis of the liver, so oof, unless she gets oof. a liver transplant, she, yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's not much I can really say about this. It's it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doomerang asked uh, if I listen to the Destiny OST when not playing, and the answer is yes all the time. I don't understand you. It's very good. Uh, Especially, uh... Fireminer is like, what is the most miserable, successful author? I remember people told tales of how, back in World War II, Ian Flemings got really bored at the UK intelligence agency, hence 007. Well, I mean, um... He was a miserable I, bastard throughout his life. I was gonna say, I've brought him up several times before but david david foster wallace because he actually like killed himself yeah any anyone that uh is a successful person you've heard of that committed suicide probably in the running for this yeah the, um i've heard stories about harlan ellison oh he was he was a real uh, he was a real old asshole yep and apparently became a common prank at conventions during the 70s and 80s to uh, ask him about jelly beans Ask me about yeah. my jelly beans. No, 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 no. It was um, jelly beans were a minor thing mentioned in one of his stories that people latched onto as some sort of hole that they blew out of proportion. They kept bugging him about them, and he just got really fed up with them. About so. yeah, Harlan Ellison represents in part the problem of becoming known for having a bad temper, which is that a lot of people think it's really funny to like come up to you and piss you off and then be like, haha, see, he does have a bad temper. It's like, okay. I mean, he seems like kind of a shitty, he seems like he was kind of a shitty person to have to deal with, but at the same time, you know, almost every public interaction I've ever heard of about him involves people deliberately trying to piss him off, so. Yeah, there was a, like, it was a, it was just a game. Like, let's see. Bad feedback loops. Perverse Uh, perverse incentives. One story I remember hearing was like he was flirting with this woman at a convention and it actually seemed to be going, hitting it off pretty well. And she'd never actually read any of his books before, but she was interested. And then somebody, while he was off to get something, somebody gave her a jar of jelly beans and told him to, told her to give it to him. Okay. 
And yeah, that's that, to piss him off. Yeah, and she had no idea what she was about to do. Um, so yeah, she, it's it's one of those things like you know, there's a some, some people turn that into sport, and it ends exactly the way you'd expect it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we same level. Huh? Yes. Jeez, it's a long fight, dude. I know. Okay. It's complicated. Hit, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I know. hit it left in the. Hit with left in the fucking <laughs> chat, and then we're gonna close. I down. love this guy. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about wisdom tree and the fact that before they made the Noah Doom clone, they made a Hellraiser Wolfenstein clone. I mean, the Noah the Noah game is also a Wolfenstein clone. Um. Like, literally, license total conversion, basically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Wisdom Tree was a company that, uh, you know, was always in it for the cash. And part of the reason, so there's like a million reasons as to why Wisdom Tree was the company that it was. Uh, before Wisdom Tree, they were not sure if they were literally the same company or a spawn off company, but they were essentially the same company as a company called Color Dreams that made. Uh, unlicensed NES games that were uh, largely inappropriate for children due to like violence and sexual themes. Uh, the uh, they did not get sued by Nintendo like some of the other unlicensed cartridge producers because it was fairly obvious that their stuff was re- involved reverse engineering that was legally protected, so it was not worth the attempt to uh, sue them into oblivion. But because of the Bible way the adventures. Yeah, they did Super make Bible 3D Adventures. Noah's Ark? Okay. Yeah, they, they made a lot of things like that. But okay. uh, they were uh, ultimately uh, they were large, it was very hard to sell their games as Color Dreams because Nintendo had uh, made uh, used the pressure of if you sell unlicensed games we will not allow you to sell licensed games which was illegal but it worked. Uh, the thing is that Color Dreams eventually got around that by uh, by turning into Wisdom Tree and making Christian-themed games because they could sell those in Christian bookstores who didn't care to sell non-Christian-themed uh, games. So right. you can sell your spiritual they warfare. They can pull. What's that? They just found a niche that they could exploit. Yep, pretty much. Uh, and um, so that, that just reminds me, um, when I was a kid, we... We're staying with my grandparents in Rhode Island, and we were watching some kind of religious-themed show or something, and a kid comes on and asks, should I be playing video games that feature the Lord of Terror? And I w- and then the, the, the hosts are laughing. They're like, no, of course not. And I'm just thinking in my head, Diablo! <laughs> oh. Do you yeah. love the Lord of Terror? Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh... Okay. But yeah, uh, in general, like Color Dreams was a very slash Wisdom Tree was very much an enterprise that was uh, any way they could make it work. Uh, there's some fascinating uh, just general info about unlicensed games that I was reading about earlier today because I was uh, reading about when uh, Sega sued Accolade over unlicensed games, which 
was an important case as far as precedent, but has largely been forgotten by popular history because no one cares about accolades. <laughs> um, but it is it, it did remind me of one of the uh, eternally funny uh, things is that uh, Sega did not manage to pull the same uh, kinds of legal chicanery as Nintendo, not because they didn't want to, but because they weren't successful at it. It's uh, so Sega. Yeah, uh, because the clear that uh, Sega sued Accolade for trying to make for making unlicensed games and trying to sell unlicensed games, and made it clear uh, in the discovery during that lawsuit that there was uh, attempts during negotiations uh, for Accolade to obtain an official license that. Uh, Sega would not grant them an official license unless they agreed to only make games for the Genesis. All games would be uh, games that Sega had took a cut in, were published by, and could not be released on any other platform. Hmm, Very that's, much. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the Nintendo NES deal. Like It's very much Sega trying to flex in the same fashion and finding... It, it was a weird flex to attempt to make, both because... I, I guess it was them trying to control the sports games market because that's what Accolade made at the time. But it was also a weird flex to attempt to make because they had already gotten obliterated in negotiations with Electronic Arts by that point because Electronic Arts starts making Genesis games in like 1990 uh, having reverse engineered the uh, licensing, uh, reverse engineered the lockouts on the genesis so that they could technically make unlicensed games but basically before deciding to go ahead with that plan they basically went to sega and said cut us a better licensing deal than you're offering uh, to most companies uh or we will just make the games unlicensed so you can take some money from us for a, for an official license and skip the lawsuit or you can uh, getting in a long in a long ass lawsuit and uh, and ultimately lose. So they like Sega took the money on the table and just sort of let EA have a better licensing agreement than most. But yeah, just just some real silly shit. Uh, allegedly, uh, allegedly they. Had uh, considered doing the same thing with the Super Nintendo, but came to the conclusion that uh, that the court battle with Nintendo would be way less, would be not worth the amount of effort that they would have to put into it. <laughs> is... Nintendo had more money and more market share, yeah. Uh, more Nintendo had better lawyers. Yeah, that too. Which is related, but different. Uh, yeah, so I remember... Nintendo. <laughs> I remember I was spitballing with a friend about this, about what that would have looked like if EA had attempted to, uh, if EA had done that. And basically, my thought process is they would have been in a lawsuit until uh, they would have won that lawsuit. But by the time they won it, it would have been the end of the Super Nintendo's viable lifetime in like 1998. So... Yeah, probably ultimately better for all involved that they just said, uh, eh, I'll just sign a licensing agreement. It's not worth it. <laughs> but yeah, one of those things like, yep, 
they uh, everybody everybody wants to throw their weight around. It's just a question of if you get the chance to. Uh, yeah. Uh, think, yeah, you don't uh, talk with Nintendo's lawyers. They're very good. They're very good. Uh, uh, moving on to, I think now is probably about the time that we should start closing down. So, yeah, Gaijin, tell me about uh, extremely trademarked princesses and pizza. Haha. I, sh- I well, thought that was a copyright. It, mine's uh, copyrighted, yes. The, the stories are copyrighted. I'm sure there's some amount of uh, trademark protection. <laughs> um, well, if I, I mean, the thing with trademark protection is you actually have to actively work on that one. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's not a Trademark, trademark is what I have to worry about in the case that uh, Hasbro attempts to overdo the open game license again. Oh, boy. Mm. That, that was the big issue is that they were attempting to trademark a few things like saving throws. Yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, thankfully that has that failed to seemingly blown over. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. <clears throat> so, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor for Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Um, if you enjoy tabletop role playing games, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role playing games, and that is an entire thing on YouTube these days. Screw you, Hasbro. Um, so. <laughs> Um, then, and if you are interested in trying this out liter- um, in a literary fashion on ebook or Dead Tree, um, then we have P- Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Um, please check it out. We have some very nice reviews. We would always appreciate more very nice reviews. Um, Not-so-nice reviews will get... at will get, um, what's the right, right word here, satirized at some point in the story, almost certainly. It only happened <laughs> once. It only happened once, and it I do make fun of it in episode 11, which is coming up later this year. So. But yes, yeah, so uh, thank you. Bye. Hmm. Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z. Uh, uh, spelled exactly as it sounds unlike everything else in English hmm. uh, Joe, tell us where we can find you you can find me on twitch.tv slash smokinjoegamer and I also have a YouTube channel and if you give me one second they they did a new thing where they added like a number tag to the end of it so let me mm. see if I can get that too. Make sure you get the URL right. Yeah. So on YouTube, it's Smoke and Joe Gamer at Smoke and Joe Gamer four seven zero five. Okay. Mm. Um, and then on PlayStation Network, it's Smoke and Dash Joe Dash Gamer. If you wish then... to battle him in some sort of game, I assume. <laughs> yeah, and then. So I'm I'm trying to get my brand name, my my brand, I'm trying to get it on uh, all the platforms, man. but I'm just getting I got as close as I could on PlayStation and Xbox, and and then Nintendo doesn't let you change it. So, so there's it. Yeah. So Twitch and YouTube. Um. So, trying to stream three or four nights a week, usually between let's say like nine and eleven thereabouts. 
So um, last month I was doing Mario March. So all of those streams should be up on YouTube now. March and now. this month the idea was to do Discape Roll or Discayap Roll or something like that. <laughs> Discape Roll. <laughs> really, <laughs> really pushing hard to make that one work. Yeah, it, it's it's a stretch, yeah. but yeah. When he told me, I it's like that is a torturous pun, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Discape Roll. So, there we go. This is April. So I did um I did stream Disgaea three the other day and as you saw Wheels just did Disgaea six. So we're both gonna be streaming a little bit of Disgaea here and there over the next month. Um and also just random Elden Ring or Resident Evil streams in there sometimes. And next month I wanna try to do Metroidvania May. We'll see how that goes. Metroidvania. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. That's better. That one actually kind of works. Kind of works. So. The best kind of correct. Um, let's see. Uh, and Smoke and Joe often joins us for shenanigans on Sunday. Yes. Our health, uh, midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific. Uh, the past couple of weeks, they have been wheels uh, bumbling through Resident Evil Village. How's that been going for you, wheels? Good. We killed some vampires, and now we're getting uh, tortured by evil dolls. I had a very good time. Evil dolls. By, like getting wheels to like. Slowly guiding wheels until uh, he finally reached the jump scare that I was waiting for him to run oh into. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do it because it is part of a puzzle, but it was very funny just no-selling it to make sure that he would get the full effect. So now he's in the haunted dollhouse, and ooh, I want to see what happens <laughs> next. Oh, yeah. So we may yeah, have to we'll do more of that. have to do more of that. Yeah. Because uh, that's 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 a fun one to watch someone else do for the first time. Yes. <laughs> and it's got some cool puzzles that are kind of escape roomy, so that's fun. Uh... Oh, and if you do end up playing the DLC, you have to revisit the Ugh. dollhouse, and they made it even more ridiculous. Spooky. Yeah. Because you get you play as Rose. But, or maybe you don't. Oops, spoilers. No, um, you play as a young woman, and she gets transported there, but she's tiny, and everything is huge. So it's not just scary, spooky dolls. It's giant, scary, spooky dolls that can kill you in one hit. It's wild. Yep. That's fun. But, uh, yeah, so catch that. Uh, it will already have happened by the time that you... <laughs> hear this if you weren't here for the recording but uh you know we do that every sunday and it's usually good times uh let's say once i get my steam deck i will probably push for playing street fighter 5 again because i'll probably want to try it on that um it does run pretty well yeah you might want to lower a couple things but it's good i usually play on low settings anyway because i care more about frame rate for street fighter yeah. um but yeah so, uh, 
but yeah, so every every Sunday, 9 p.m. Pacific and then Eastern. Uh, Tam, you still there? I am still here. Tell me about RP Gamer streams. So, Q&A Quest is a production of RPGamer.com, and uh, we also do streaming on a channel, twitch.tv slash RPGamer. Uh, you can catch myself and many others uh, streaming at various times, seven days a week. A uh, whole plethora of different games. Um, and I am actually, and I myself, uh, I'm, I had to take some time off just because uh, of the situation that's going on in my life, yeah, as I mentioned earlier. So, um, but I'm, I think I'm in a better mental state, so I will be back on Tuesday. Uh, going, to, going to try and finish up Relayer and um or at least get further in it i don't know if i'll hit the end but uh but yeah definitely catch us check us out um we do have a calendar on the twitch.tv slash rpgamer um channel of course that is the best way to know when people are going to be streaming besides if you follow us uh if you want to hear my personal thoughts about anime and what i'm watching you can check that out on the our the rp gamer discord channel that's um linked on the web uh, on the website because uh i watch a lot of anime nerd blasphemy nerds but yeah uh yeah and you can get into the rp gamer discord by going to the community tab on rp gamer lovely community but uh yeah, yeah. just don't uh, just don't badmouth stuff that people like like i did that's, that's most communities You're right yeah. don't um, don't go in there and start bad mouthing diablo 3 and monster hunter and just, here's a good here's well, an it's idea not, it's not so much bad mouthing it's yeah. it's how the, you have to be particular particular in the way you phrase the bad mouthing or you can talk about things you like try that Yeah, we really like when people talk about things they like yeah that's okay in any case, uh, you can join that nice community. A lot of it, you will find probably at least one person who loves all the same RPGs you do. So worth a worth a mm -hmm. visit. Uh, you can also ask us questions there if you go into the podcast section. As uh, as uh, and you know those questions can lead to their own discussions, as did happen yeah. in the podcast section. Uh, so. Uh, that's always fun. You can also ask us questions in the comments section underneath this very episode. Not many people do that, but it's always nice when it happens. Uh, and you can ask us questions uh, in the chat, in the recording of any given episode, if you uh, catch us when we record Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, it's, always, uh, it's always great to see people in the chat. Always fun to have that live uh, interaction uh, dynamic. Uh, thanks once again to uh, everyone who was in the chat this week. Fireminer, Doomerang, especially asking questions. Thanks once again to Fireminer for always giving us questions to make sure that we can uh, survive. We will die without them. Uh, but yeah, no show without the questions. It's true. You don't. We have hundreds of episodes ago. We occasionally would have episodes where we had no questions and. Me without a leash is a bad thing to have to listen to. Moving on, uh, though, we are uh, that 
probably about clears us out for the night. So see you, Space Cowboys. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. I had one other thing. Uh, What's that? Be sure to check out the other podcasts on RPG Gamer, including the RPG Cast and RPG Backtrack, uh, which I was on the most recent episode ah, of. There we go. Discussing <laughs> a certain wonderful Final Fantasy game. There's like five Final Fantasy games. You can it's play. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, that one. Why wasn't I on that one? Fuck. <laughs> I'm so upset now. It was a gush fest. It was wonderful. I thought I was, I thought I was signed on for that one. Fuck. If it makes you feel yeah. better, I'm signed up for like seven in a row. Oh, there's I do that a lot. There's yeah. a lot of good ones this year. At least they're not on the... At least they're not on the fucking... At least we aren't recording the same day as them anymore. Yeah. That's good. Those were always harrowing. Uh, yeah. So. It's Ratha. That's my sister. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, listen, listen to the FF7 remake and pretend that I was there saying this. It's the best. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite games forever. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. See you. You'll get hooked on the brothers to the bridge. The brothers, the brothers, the brothers.